Welcome back, everybody, for to another fun edition of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. Today, I have a gentleman from the from South Africa who I met at the most, I won't say random, it was the most beautiful place in the world, but we randomly met and we bonded and we drank great whiskey and I had to have him on the show. And if anyone's been fortunate enough to travel to Scotland and specifically stay at the Glen Eagles, it's highly likely you would have met this gentleman. Riverwood, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on, Gavin. It's it's a pleasure to speak with you again, uh, even though it's a, a little bit over the distance this time. At a little distance, but I'm definitely coming back to play next year. I mean, that was just a heavenly playground. And I think I'm looking at May is what I'm talking about, you know, sneaking back in and having some more fun. Riff, so tell me a little bit about your, or tell the audience, not me, obviously, we're all listening here. Tell me a little bit about your personal whiskey journey and like, you know, like me growing up in South Africa, were you already like trying whiskey before you left or not really? My whiskey journey and my bartending journey are sort of uh, hand in hand. My grandfather, most of his life has been a avid, uh, famous grouse and soda water drinker from a young age, like five, six years old. My, my responsibility sort of in the family and family gatherings was uh, pouring my grandfather his double double famous grass and, and soda or sparkling water. So I sort of worked with it for a long time. I think when I was like 15, had a taste or so, um, you know, like yeah. your grandfather, your dad gives it to you and you sort of, you know, they're like, either they want to scare you off on it yeah. or they hope you like it. Didn't really like it, to be honest. No, especially the way they drank it back. Yeah, I mean, my grandfather was brandy and soda. Yeah. And it, fuck, dude, that, that <laughs> made you never want to drink alcohol. It, it was different. Yeah. In, um, like it completely, completely put you off to a certain degree. So then I, yeah. you know, didn't didn't think much of it. But I mean, of alcohol in general, not not whiskey, just generally in alcohol. Yeah, yeah, then, yep. Started started bartending, and I I'll never I'll never forget. I was I was working um only else big easy. Mm-hmm. He had a, a this whiskey and wine bar um in Stellenbosch called Big Easy, yeah. and it was one of my sort of earlier bartending gigs, and. I was 21. Uh, the night before my 20, well, the night of my 21st, went out, do what you do on your 21st, obviously. Was back in the bar the next morning, 6 a.m., uh, opening up the bar. And I remember as soon as it hit 10, legal drinking time, a guy ordered a McCallum Pop Sherry cask. And I was still uh, potentially a little bit hungover from the, from the night before. And I opened the bottle and the smell just hit me straight away. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't really my cup of tea. And the guy at the bar sort of realized that, got into a conversation, sort of they said to him, like, you know, what my night before was. And he was like, look, the best thing to fix this is like, you got to start drinking again. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> he bought me a double McCallan tall sherry pass of a sort of, didn't force me, but did sort of force me to drink it with him at a 10 o'clock in the morning at the bar. And sort of explained explained uh, what what it is to me. Even though I'd been bartending, I didn't, you know, have a lot of exposure to it. I was more cocktail focused at that time of my life. Explained to me, you know, the, the influence of a cask, etc. And the nerdy side of me geeked out at it a bit. And that was sort of the entryway into that. And I think the next day I went and ordered a whiskey in a bar for the first time, actually like intentionally ordered it. And then since then, it's just sort of taken off. 
And tell me why that Macallan 12 Sherry Cats was something that got you. What do you think? I think I just was, I was used to my, my grandfather's blended famous grass, you know, uh, which was a little bit too, too light for my liking and think all those like Christmas spices coming through, that's what stood out to me. And I was like, oh, this is super complex. It's like quite, got quite a depth of flavor and layered. And to me, I think alcohol had always been like quite one dimensional to just see how layered this was and then to do a bit of research and understand like the influence of the cost, et cetera. I was like, oh, actually, this is, this is pretty cool, to be honest. Pretty cool story, interesting, and it tastes good. And I think, what more do you need at times? Well, I because mean, cause you're, still, you're still in Stellenbosch. You're still in South African. I don't, I mean, to me growing up, McAllen hadn't really like landed there. So that was obviously no, no, no. you at the Big Easy, you know, like you're really like, you're trying stuff, you know, as a fellow comrade that really wasn't blowing up over there. I mean, if you would have said, hey, the guy ordered me, ordered me a double J&B or a Bells or something well, like that. Was you, know, you know, I, I would have said, oh, okay, that's nice. But McAllen was unheard of in South Africa. I mean, I never saw it. It hasn't blown up there yet. I don't think so. No, I mean, I think they've picked, I think they've picked their countries really. Okay. So now the journey, now, you know, now the journey begins because you're working at the bar. Do you start tasting the other single malts? I start, I start. What does it even look like? What's, what is in Ernie's bar? You know, then what year is this? This is 2013. So, So shit hasn't popped off yet. Like it's not like. Okay, I'm curious. What's in Ernie's bar for single malts in 2013 in Stellenbosch, wine country? I mean, your your staple South African, so like your your single grains, your ble- your Baines, Kluwer. Obviously, you've got your sort of your basic spirit selection of brandies and brandies, etc. Um, a lot of blended, to be honest. Yeah, um, I think I think South Africa. There's still this very big blended 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 malt culture. Well, because it, just for the audience to understand, most if you order a whiskey in South Africa, generally it's going to come with a. They're going to ask you, "Do you want soda or water and ice?" Boy, and they're going to ask you these questions off off the bat. It's never like if you say they're never going to be like if you don't. It's just it's going to the, the question's coming. So the blend makes sense because, <laughs> like you said, with your with your grandfather, they're drinking it with soda. They're drinking it with water. They're drinking it with more ice than you've ever seen in a cup in your life. Yeah, well, these are the same people that put ice with all the wine they drink. So, so it out. It's sort of a, it's a, it's a really interesting. So the blends make total sense. Are you seeing in 2013? I'm wondering, like, I mean, you're not seeing a lot of Scotch single malts. No, still, no, I would not. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm like, I was kind of blown away. You said there was a Macallan 12 because I'm like, I, if you would have said there was a Belvaney. Or Irish whiskey, like I was, you know, I'm always blown away when I go back and visit in South Africa, because when I worked here in the restaurant and nightclub business in America, Jameson was like a employee shot. You go to South Africa, they got AIDS Jameson, like it's like a whiskey. It's not a yeah. Hey, people, behind people, the bar, get dirty. And bells, bells is still a big one. It's a standard. It's not a big scene. I'm I'm excited to go back and see what it's like now, but I can't imagine. You know, they've really started to move the needle. I mean, I was I was in New York with Michters uh, two weeks ago, and they just opened South Africa. Oh, and they did. I, 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 
Yeah, Matt said they did a launch party in Johannesburg and they did a launch party in Cape Town. And we're going to look to do something, oh, yeah, or I'm going to see if I can tag along with something in 2024, you know, and go launch Richter's. But they got a guy and, and it's working and the product is pushing out there. Tag along. I'll come make, I'll, I'll yeah, come I mean, so, this for you guys. Yeah, so, so South Africa is definitely, you know, on the up. So, so you got the Macallan 12. Wh- what's your next step in your bartending career? After being at the Big Easy, my next step Barton in career is the cruise ships. So Seabourne Cruise Lines. This is where I really start to sort of get intrigued, and I'm exposed to American American guests, um, American mm-hmm. style of bartending, and obviously with this comes a lot of whiskey. This is where I first start actually um, digging a little deeper into the regions and traditionally sort of what each each region provides, how to sort of sell whiskey, right? The questions that guests normally ask. But then the best part was Seabourn is a all-inclusive, uh-huh. which meant no stock take, which meant we could try everything for selling purposes, obviously, right? Because if you don't... Of course. No, 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 no. I mean, and, and your journey is a very common journey. Hey, I'm working in a bar and I have the ability to try whiskey, so, and I'm intrigued, so I go. Yeah, and that's... Uh, the, the, the nice thing they... I was very exposed to to guests that were on the wealthier side, which most of the time meant they knew what they wanted. Their orders were intentional. You know, it wasn't just, oh, can I get something random? It was like, I want this because of this. And as a sort of young, curious bartender, I always try to ask as many questions as possible. I also learned that, you know, I could learn arguably more from my guests than I could from my fellow bartenders. So I would ask if someone ordered a whiskey, I would ask why, you know, why are you ordering this? And, th- and, what, and what's the selection like on Seabor? What's on the cruise ship? What's now, what's your single malt? Would like, give me an idea of what your bar looks like. A little breakdown. We'd have a few staples per sort of per region. So your standard Highlands, I would say Highland Park was sort of like a big, a big staple movie. You've got the majority of your McAllen range. Mm-hmm. I don't think we didn't have any of the 30 year olds. Back then, this is like 2017, 2018, 2019. Didn't have any of like the really expensive stuff. Johnny Walker Blue was sort of your big, your, your entire, I think Johnny Walker range is pretty much a, a core. They worked with Diageo. So you're always going to have those yeah. pro- products. Balvenie, so a different, yeah. your different, different cost selection of Balvenie, which was another sort of interesting journey to sort of see the difference between the cask influence, which sort of always has always been I think my favorite part about whiskey to be honest with you is how much impact a, a cost can oh. actually have on the flavor also started g- getting into your peated stuff a bit more I was gonna say what's your what's your peated selection like Oban Lagavulin Lafroig yeah yeah Oban you got a Di- Diageo portfolio kind of on there so, I mean mo- I mean it's exactly all of those but I we I worked so Thomas Keller um, as I'm sure you yeah. uh, yeah. Massive, massive, I mean, arguably the the grandfather of American sort of cuisine. He has a, a restaurant on all the seaborne chips called the Thomas Keller Grill. And I, I ran the bar over there for him. And we had a bit more of a premium selection over there. And one night there was about a quarter of a bottle left of Lafroic 25, which I, I was allowed to take home. And... That again was another sort of one of these, you know, you know when you have these turning points, when you taste the liquid and you go, 
fuck, I didn't expect that, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, you just, that's, there's no other way to describe it, right? You, I mean, that, that's exactly, it's, it's that moment. It's like, it, and, and I think that, you know, obviously Lefroy's not an independent bottler, but a lot of independent bottling, you don't know what you're going to try. Then you try, you're like, holy shit, what'd they do there? Yeah, you know, um, especially when you've got little experience, right? Then a lot of things are like, wow, and you're so curious. I remember like, obviously, you know, getting that peat, but more layered. It wasn't that prominent first layer that you get with the 10, right? And this, again, piqued my curiosity to, to sort of delve more and more and more. And one thing that actually was one of the highest sellers, thinking back, was Royal Salute 21. Yes, God, yeah. Which, <laughs> I mean, people need to talk more about Royal Salute. Like, as far as blended whiskey, I mean, that's a magical liquid. I mean, it's not easy to get. It's, it's, well, you see it, but people just like to be a, number one, I think value for money is probably the most reasonable. I'll, I'll throw this up in inverted commas, luxury blended whiskey. Yeah. Whether it is or isn't doesn't really matter to me. I'm just saying for an affordability for great blended whiskey, they're pretty high up there on what you can, what you get for what you pay. I think they over deliver on what you pay for it. I think I, I think I'd agree there. You know, I've been fortunate enough to try like the 62 gun salute. I missed the Prince Charles one. I, I flew in late for an event where they were pouring it and it was all gone. And I heard that was oh, the, the coronation one. Surely there's a sample yeah. lying somewhere that you can get your hands on. No, I, I eventually I will. But it was it was funny because I like literally the event was 11 o'clock in the morning. I My flight got delayed. I got there at 1230. It was all gone. It is what it is. Um, but Royal Salute is something special. I mean, I'm intrigued by this cruise line because it sounds like the whiskey selection for all inclusive is next level. And Thomas Keller's grill on there. Oh no, you would uh, you would uh, you would love it. It was it, it was incredible. The, the all inclusive for a bartender, it's like heaven because you get to try different things, but also it means you you get to when price isn't involved with guests, it's it's so much easier to talk to them. Because it's not this like thing that's looming over their head, right? And when it comes to recommendations, I mean, it's quite straightforward, right? If you have to pay for something and you're on a budget and you realize that as a bartender, you can't really, you, there's only certain amount of things you can guide a guest towards. Yeah. And responsibly at least. But when, there's no, when the money's not in an object, then we're basically going purely off taste now, right? Flavor profile and preferences. And this is where the magic happens because now you can actually have a, a real conversation and you know, worry about that budget and you can say, oh, try this. Let's start here. Let's move here next. So for you, you're now intrigued on the whole whiskey thing, but you're, as a bartender, you're more cocktail focused or fully rounded, wine, everything? So at that point, I was more free rounded. Now I'm more cocktail focused, however, way more well-rounded than I was, if that makes sense. I think my, my knowledge base has increased on a lot of things. I think I'll always be at heart, a cocktail bartender. I think that's how I got into this. Well, I, I, you know, just by hanging out with you for the two nights, I know it, it excites you, I think, the cocktail side of it, because it's, it's, it's a lot of presentation. It's a lot yeah, of work. It's, and it's the, I think it's, it's the creativity aspect from it, right? It's being able to sort of use all this, inc this incredible liquid made by people. And also, you know, especially when you go to distilleries and you actually, my favorite part is, you know, you see this room full of people and you think about one of these people, some, at times hundreds of people, 
are just working to get the liquid in that bottle and you just go into a shop and you see a bottle on a shelf, right? Yeah. But people don't understand all the hand, like the, that's a labor of love, right? And all the hands that have gone oh. into producing this bottle so that you buy it. The well, I, I, I think not only, no, not only a layer of hand, it, it's those people just go to work Monday through Friday and do their job. And they have no idea that 18 years later, 10 years later, 12 years later, we see a bottle. We try the bottle and we're like, holy shit. Yeah, that's, that's not that's in that exactly. moment. They're just doing the job. You know, they're exactly. doing the best they can that day to get it going. And that's what blows me away. So now, you okay, I want to keep moving because I want to get you to where I, where I met you. So you're on the ship. Is the next move to Scotland or is there a move in between? So the move actually takes a bit of a, a different detour. I, I started really well. I start entering world class. It's probably the, the biggest bartending competition in the world. You, so you compete regionally, and then you compete I mean, your country's finals, and then you compete with the 50 best uh, sort of in the world. And the cruise ships have their own category, so the cruise ships essentially qualify as a country. So oh, wow. I, I end up winning the cruise ship category, and I make top 50 in the world, and I'm due to go to Berlin in September 2018 to, to compete in the finals. And... I go to Miami for a few weeks for training at um, Diageo's, Diageo's headquarters, which is insane. And then life does these things, you know, where you you get thrown a curveball, right? When you work so hard and then you're getting opportunity and then life comes and sort of dangles a carrot in front of your face and says, what are you going to do now? And I get put in this, I get put in this situation. So I am, um, along with, along with being a bartender and uh, loving hospitality, I, I was an avid football player and a football coach most of my upbringing in my youth. Um, played professionally when I was in high school, coached semi-professionally while I was still working in bars. And two months before Global Finals, I get a call uh, asking me if I want to join uh, Cape Town City, uh, which is in the Premier League in South Africa, as a head goalkeeper coach. Do you, do you follow football or sports at all? A little bit, a little bit. I mean, a little bit. So, I mean, I left. South African, yeah. you've... The name Benny McCarthy ring any bells? No. He's the sort of probably the biggest legend we have in football in South Africa. So he was national team captain. He's the leading goal scorer. He won. He's the only South African to ever win the Champions League. And anyways, I get a phone call from him asking me to be his head goalkeeper coach, which was uh, quite a surreal thing. So I drop everything. I go back to South Africa. I chase my dream. Turns out I hated it. I wasn't meant to be in that line of work. It took me having what I always thought I wanted to realize is not for me. And then... I jump back into bars. I start my own consultancy firm. I work for some restaurants and some bars in Cape Town. This is 2019, 2020, COVID comes. And I get my British passport. And South Africa is in lockdown. And I decide, you know what? I need to actually take bartending seriously now. Like, I've always loved it. But I always took it for granted, to be honest. It was a way to make money. I never saw it as like, a, this can actually be my, my career and I can actually... You know, do something with it. And I realized my step was moving to the UK to sort of challenge myself and to see what I could make of myself. And that's what, that's led me to the UK. Ran some bars for a group in Southampton for about a year and a half. Then went to this beautiful hotel called Heckfield Place, um, just outside London. Was there for a year and a half. And then Glen Eagles, over a six-month period, sort of, stole me away 
in, in the nicest way possible, uh, convinced me to to join them with this beautiful project they've got going on. And I mean, as you've seen, right, this property is absolutely unreal. I came down to visit. I mean, stop for a second, stop for a second and just give my listeners the spiel about the pitch on what Glen Eagles is. I mean, I think you just got voted second best golf course in the world. It's been a, it's been a surreal world for Glen Eagles. Uh, we just got voted second best golf course. The American bar just won best cocktail menu in the world. Came 32nd in 50 best hotels. So the this year was the inaugural 50 best hotel awards. I think the best part of all of it, which I think you experienced a bit of when you were here, was we won the Art of Hospitality Award at 50 best. Which... Oh. I mean, and, and listen, let me just tell you, here I am, you know, Gavin, San Diego, fly to Edinburgh, check into the Glen Eagles, really have no idea what I'm walking into. I, I First of all, I get there at 10 o'clock in the morning. I don't even know what time of that is for me. It's like two in the morning for me. The room's almost ready. They tell me at the desk, like they kill me with kindness. Hey, we have a whiskey shop. You should check that out. We got these bars. We got restaurants. Just have fun. Sit back, relax. Your room will be ready shortly. So I said, all right, cool. I'll go check out the whiskey shop. I walk in there. Got nicest guy in the world. We go through all the whiskeys. He says, come back tomorrow. We'll do a whiskey tasting. Thank you very much. You know, this is all, by the way, 11 o'clock in the morning. So the bars aren't really open yet, I don't think. I start walking around because I don't want to go to bed. And I have dinner at like 5 or 6 o'clock that night. So if I go to sleep, I know I'm not going to wake up. I go for a beautiful walk. The property's insane. I mean, what can you, River, you can, you can skeet shoot. You can fish. You can do falconry. You can play golf. You can ride horses. <laughs> you can you can take a defender up the mountain. You can go hunting with dogs. You can go yeah. shooting. You name it. You name it. You can do it. Tennis, tennis courts. I mean, it's like it's paradise. And and you like it's so beautifully unassuming because when you pull in, you're like, oh, this looks like a really old hotel. Like this is cool. And you're like, hey, and then like every corner you turn, hi, sir, how can I help you? Is there anything you need? I mean, it's just, and then I started to like unlayer the place. So finally, you know, I go for a walk, I come back. They're like, hey, your room's ready. Boom, I go up to my room. I take a shower. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go like wander around now. So I walk into the main bar. Which one's that one? That's not the American, the other one. Yeah, the Century. That's the, the Century bar. So, so I walk into the Century bar and I just see all the scotch. And I'm like, holy shit. Well, can I get the whiskey list? And they give me the whiskey list, and I'm like, oh man, like this is nuts. And then I go for dinner and I come back, and then I go to the American bar, and that's when I walked in and met you. And then I'm like, whoa, more whiskey. Like this place is just wild. So tell me, okay, that that's my take on the Glen Eagles. For you working there, I mean, what's that like? It's insane. <laughs> it's it's incredible. At times a bit of a mind fuck because Yeah. It's constant. There's always it's there's always something super exciting happening around every single corner. Everything's always done to the highest standard, which is yeah, which is phenomenal. But the the, the key part is we've got so many passionate people here. We are so lucky to have so many passionate people. You know, if you go to the falconry, right? The guys doing the falconry are super passionate about birds you go to the the store with the still room the whiskey shop like you went to right and you go christian yeah. super passionate about whiskey you've got oh, the christian like where's christian from yugoslav where's he from yugoslavia 
Latvia, I think. Latvia, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, that he knows everything yeah. about every. He knows everything about every whiskey. Like it's insane. See, his, his knowledge is incredible. You know, you've got everybody in every position they're in are, are super passionate about what they do. I mean, we even got. We have a porter called Joe, and he last week celebrated 50 years working at Glen Eagles. 5-0, and he's been a porter for 50 years. And he absolutely loves it. It's clear as day that he loves what he does. And, you know, at times you wouldn't expect or think that someone could be so passionate about being a porter, but there's no one else you would rather meet at the front doors to the hotel than no. Joe. Yeah. And that's what makes this place so special. You've got this unique group of people that are from so many different backgrounds and means of life and living and different ages, yet hospitality and passion about what they do and it brings it brings all of us together. So for you walking in there and seeing the whiskey selection and you're in the zone, I mean, what was that like? I mean, you've got I mean, insane whiskey. It was a little breathtaking. You know when you, it really is, people. Like you don't understand. Like, like I don't see a, I don't see a fifty-two-year-old McAllen sitting on a shelf very often in a bar. No, not at all. And it's normally, you know, if it is, it's with a light underneath it, or it's in like a little box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's on that top shelf that like no one ever goes to. And I remember walking in. You know, we see in in the Century Bar, and we just we've got the Dalmore Constellation series at like eye, at eye level, right? We're not talking on the top shelf, at the eye level. And then just randomly on the other side of the bar, as you, with the bottle that you saw when you walked in is that, you know, two bottles of Macallan 30, the bottle of the 1950, and they're not in necessarily sitting in a premium position, right? It's just, it's just no. Right. It's a, it's, a, it's whiskey on a shelf. I mean, you've got, exactly, you've got yeah. Japanese whiskey. You got Japanese whiskey flights. I mean, you you got it. Don't even get me started on that, right? We have a whole Suntory shelf, but you can't even see it. Like in previous places I've worked, right? You again, your Suntory shelf is like that's prime real estate. That's that's front and center. That's above. That's like look at me, look at me, right? Like I'm Japanese. Please buy me and. Our selection is so big over here that we we forget about Yamazaki 18 because we have so much selection, which is a no. It's an it's an it's an insane selection, and yeah. for you, like so, when customers come in there, this is one thing that I I was really paying attention to in Scotland in general. It's like to be honest, I noticed that most people don't actually drink whiskey when they go to bars. They drink beer. They do cocktails. They do beers. They do... I felt like every time I ordered whiskey, there weren't many other people doing that. <laughs> it, was it just um, me noticing something weird or that well, was... It, I think that it's is, part of it. You know, depends, on, depends on the time of day, to be completely honest with yeah. you. And it's just, it's weird. There, there are these lulls. You'll have a, one week that's beer heavy. You'll have one week that's cocktail heavy. Then you'll go through a period where... You're just selling grams. A big part is depends on who in the team is working. We have a, a waiter slash bartender. His name is Melvin. And he is phenomenal, to say the least, right? One of these, if you are, if you challenge him, like, 
try and sell this tonight, it will be sold. Like consider it, consider it done. So when he's working, you'll sell grams. Like no tomorrow. Like that's all he will sell if he needs to. I think a lot of the time the team members play to their strengths. So if you've got a, a younger waitress who's whiskey knowledge isn't great because she doesn't necessarily enjoy whiskey that much. I find she will tend to sell cocktails more because she's more familiar with it. She likes it more herself. Therefore, she's more confident with explaining it to guests. I think the the knowledge part and the confidence that you feel, I think directly portrays into into the sales, especially when you're talking about about scotch. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, if I say, you know, like, yes, I totally agree. What sort of like, in in your nights out there, like, what's some of the crazy drams you've seen poured? I've sold, I mean, it's not crazy in terms of like individual pricing, but we sold a bottle and a half of 30 Sherry Oak to one guy in one day. Holy shit. Which, uh, hang on the golf course in his bag? He came in and out of the bar three times during the day, but he literally... He sat and had lunch. He started having some. Then he moved to the bar top. Then he went away to the spa. And then he came back, continued drinking pre-dinner, went and had dinner, came back, and then closed. So he was like the first person in the bar that day. And he was the last the last, the last person to, to leave. Um, that, that being said, actually, last week, we sold a few drams of the 1969 Delmore Constellation. Uh-huh. Which is, I think at the moment, 3.2, 3.2K for a 50 mil measure. Not, yeah, not, not too bad. By any uh, <laughs> not too bad. Again, it was not, it's more about the fact that it was a blase order. You know, yeah. like I was like, he looked at the menu, he was like, yeah, I, was, uh, I just have a wee dram of the, the, the constellation. And that's when you have to sort of double check, you know, because we have the, we have the 1990 and the 69, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a yeah. big, the big difference between the two, like, yeah, very big difference price wise. You don't want to find portray that you know someone doesn't have money, so you have to like the nicest way possible. But it's like, you know, is it the nineteen ninety? Was the sixty nine that you're looking for? And he just was like, oh no, the sixty nine. You know, like, he wasn't rude by any means. But yeah. it was like, no, no, no. Obviously, just, yeah, obviously, it was clear. Obviously, it's the yeah. sixty nine that I want. And, I'll, and then I was still like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And then I, I remember punching it into the till and I was like damn I wish I could spend 3.2k on a dram and just like I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy I mean I'm like do you uh, you know do you do you get to how does it work do you get to try any of the stuff when the brands come in or like you know what's your level of getting to try some of the crazy stuff in your bars try everything or you just get to watch try everything I'm quite lenient over here we're quite lucky with the team if you don't know what it tastes like, like how, how do I expect you to sell it, right? Firstly, and secondly, also, we just, we love whiskey, <laughs> you know? So yeah. don't mind the selling part of it. When we get a new bottle in, most of the time, we will open it and try it. Yeah. Or sell, have, have, a, have a little, have a little dram that we'll share amongst like four or five guys. You know, I think there's... So what, there's, so, so, so for you over there, what's been some of like, what would you say is your top three whiskeys you've had? Number one. And it's not even it's not even close. Number one, that Delphi, that one I, that that I had with you, that Adelphi one. Yeah. Yes, the thirty-five year old. Yeah, of nineteen sixty-nine, thirty-five year old is. Yeah, just wow. 
just uh, just what wow, there's no way to add it and then i would say second just because it's uh, it was so complex a little bit light for for its age the bunahaben a 42 year old also from adelphi that's the one that you poured for me no i think that was it yeah because i think i poured both for you actually and you poured both yeah yeah but yeah, yeah. That's so stupid good yeah so there's a reason I bought them for you because they're my favorite. <laughs> and then I actually, something that snuck in that I tried yesterday, it was a sample bottling from the Thompson brothers, a secret ask. It was a 40, it was a 1977 blend, a teaspoon blend. Yes. I love those. <laughs> I don't. Again, where what it exactly is, I have no idea, which is, you know, often the case with the teaspoon blends. It was just, I, I had it with one of my friends who, who, who loves his whiskey, and it, I used to work at this um, shop called Morils of So, like a massive whiskey shop in, in London. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We just, just looked at each other like, what is this? It just continued. And then, you know, when you start geeking out and you go, no, there's definitely sherry cask in here. And then you start, and then you you've had one of the drinks and you start arguing. No, is it first full? No, definitely it tastes like third full. I probably spoke about it for half an hour. I would say that's my Well, it was kinda of like when I drank that in nineteen fifty with you and I was kinda of like, wait, there's peat and you're like, Yeah, it was an energy source back in those days. You know, McCall yes. is not known for peat, but you know, there was that peat the note that just like creeped up the middle of my tongue and I'm like, that is so un and you're like, Well, that's how they heated things back then wasn't like you know they didn't have a 200 watt generator outside to you know move the stuff around yeah so these things don't have it's a but that's what that's that's one of the things i love about i mean life in general but i would say and especially when you're talking about your older scotches and these companies that have got this this really strong heritage nowadays we do a lot of stuff and a lot of companies are doing things with intention right specifically like i'm doing this because it's going to get this out but back then yeah they were just doing it because well, that's just how they did it. It was their job. Yeah, well, right. That, job. But then you get all this incredible flavor that's coming out and coming through these things. And there was no intention behind it. It was just like, you know, like that, for example. It's that was the way that they they got the energy, right? And the, the peat was cheaper to buy in and cheaper to burn than coal was. So therefore, yeah. energy was. And, and prominent. A lot of it. It was easy. Tons of it. You've got to do a lot of cool shit. You've led a, in your young years doing this, you've really done some cool stuff. Is there a moment or two where you pinch yourself and you go like, holy shit, never saw this one coming. Life is good. Every day, to be completely honest with you. (laughs) We go, baby. Uh, I feel the same way. I I feel the same way. I got to say my trip to you guys was pretty next level that I got the opportunity to do everything I got to do. I'm kind of on the same page as you, like, every day. I get to do cool shit. I'm happy. Life is good. Life is good. I mean, we're blessed. I mean, we blessed. I mean, do you think do you think that, you think that's the immigrant in us, the, the boys from South Africa? I think I get to leave and, and do big shit, you know, and kind of like, holy shit. Like, if I would have stayed, what, you know, what are you going to become, the soccer coach? <laughs> you know, like, exactly that's, what? That's, that's, that's what that was. I mean, you've, you've got to, I think, oh, I think, I think I know, Fred, you... You've got to you've got to do your thing right. You've got to hustle. You've got to work hard. I think, yeah. Uh, but that immigrant mentality is 
yeah, nothing's given, right? And if you want something, you need to, you need to go out and take it. I think I've always been quite quite goal oriented and quite goal driven. And if if you'd asked me that question three years ago, right, I would have given you a different answer. But I think over the last two or so years, being so up and down all the time, you know, you know the high highs and the low lows, right? And you you always feel both of them so much. Yeah. And I wasn't really enjoying it. Like it was messing up my consistency in terms of how I felt. And I realized if I wasn't feeling consistent, I often wouldn't, uh, my emotions that I was putting out weren't consistent. And it started to affect my life in a way I didn't like. So I started really focused on being consistent. Um, started reading and reading a lot uh, into like meditation and, and Buddhist culture and stuff. And they very much of this this thinking and this belief system that like everything is the same, right? They seem quite yeah. uh, even. And in the beginning, I was like, this is quite mundane, right? Everything's the same. Like, how do you celebrate? It was everything the same. And then it clicked. Everything is the same, but everything is beautiful when you're mindful. Something I teach my kids all the time about that mindfulness, that gratefulness, that persistence. You know exactly, and once once that clicked in my head, I went, "Shit!" Like waking up is a privilege, right? Being alive is a privilege, and then on top of that, I think about I'm in this beautiful part of the country now. You are it's, in a beautiful spot to just mentally, physically, not, everything to grow up. You know, yeah. then you know, Glen Eagles is it's iconic, right? It's it's the Rolls Royce. Of 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 luxury hotels, you know, worldwide, we are a hundred years old next year. A hundred years old, which is which is no mean feat, right? Just on on its own. And and I come into work, and I just, I, I every day I'm just like, wow, you know, as much as I've I've worked hard and I always, I knew I'd get to this point. I still feel super blessed and privileged. That I that I'm able to be, I'm able to work here. I'm able to do to do what I do. I'm able to engage with people, and you know. Help. Oh my god, the quality of people you must meet must be insane. I mean, seriously, like you're sitting in, like you said, you're sitting in the back of the Rolls Royce, and they're coming, and you know, it's just like even me sitting in your bars, like just people watching. It's just like it's just such a good group of people there. It's it's also put much people and the people but the people don't even get me started the people watching Gavin you can learn you learn so much just from watching how people interact how people speak to each other the body language I think as bartending you're able to connect with people right so easily you're a bit of a therapist at times in my career at least I felt like I was a therapist to a handful quite quite a number of oh, people um, I mean I just I just can't say enough to people that are listening like you have to go to Glen Eagles. You just, you have to. And obviously, if you're passionate about whiskey, it's like the next level. But if you just want the most amazing day experience, the breakfast, you name it. It's just all top notch. I can't say enough. Riv, I'm coming back to visit you next year. Time flew by today, brother. You want to tell anyone how to follow you on social media or anything? Instagram, Riverwood, but not... Not wood as in uh, my last name W O D wood as in I would. It was a it's a little high school joke that evolved over time. 
if someone if someone saw something that they wanted, uh, they didn't want to be direct and say I want that, they would say Riverwood, and and joke sort of <laughs> the joke the joke continued um, into into my adult <laughs> adult years. I have a question for you though. Two questions. Yeah. Before we, you play golf, correct? Yes. So, when you my golf stuff was in the bag. My golf stuff was play? in the bag. No, I didn't because I was too excited to do whiskey, and I'll probably do that again. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I would rather be at a distillery than on a golf course. Of course. However, I think we definitely, you and I, need to have a little, a little, a little game together. That. Hundred percent. I'm down. I'm playing tomorrow. We can, we can, we can, like, we can have, we can, we can potentially, we can or we cannot, you know, have a few samples uh, in our bag, you know. Uh, I'm down. Find me things. up. Yes. And then last one, your dram of the year. What's, what's been the most interesting dram you've drunk this year? I mean, I'm reviewing that right now. I mean, I've got to say it's anywhere between. I mean, I was fortunate and I drank some crazy shit this year. I would say the 1962 Bowmore 55-year-old. That's solid. That was pretty insane. <laughs> I tell you, Bowmore is a rabbit hole. I'm going in with gloves, a miner's hat, everything next year. I'm going full Bowmore. I want to learn everything that's going on there. But that would probably be my top experience in, in Scotch, my top experience for American whiskey is the 2008 Mictures 25-year-old rye that I had oh. two weeks ago in the office in New York. That was just a shut the fuck up and enjoy whiskey. This, this is what it was. There was I nothing can, else to say. You just shut imagine. the fuck I mean, up and drink. <laughs> so I remember I had the, I mean, I had that, uh, the 10-year-old rye. Stephen gave me a, a, a taster of it like in my previous hotel where I met him. And even that was, I was like, who the fuck is this? This is, this is insane. So I was with Stephen drinking that 2008 25-year-old rock. Very, 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 very jealous of you, sir. It was just, it was just a mind-blowing because, you know, you've met Stephen. It's like the history is insane, what he's seen. Well, no, it is. It's, it's, it's completely unreal. I, I mean, I, I walked away. I spent, I, spent, I spent three hours with him. And we drank four whiskeys. We just talked. Well, yeah, we're coming back strong. I, 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 I keep telling Matt like we got to stay at Glen Eagles. Like we're gonna go there. We're gonna do it. He's like, he's like, I'm down. So I look forward to seeing you, dude. Thank you for taking the time. I'm so glad we've got to meet. I'm so glad we got to do this, dude. You're, you're, you're on the track, babe. You fucking got this. I love seeing the energy. I love seeing the passion. And I truly, you made that trip very very special and i'm glad we were able to keep that connection because it's going to be fun we're going to have a lot more fun definitely i mean i'm super super honored to have met you it was great mate i mean we there's one of those we just had a connection from the beginning right which is which was which is great the genuine connection you know i don't have them all the time yeah um, no uh, you know i love i love i love talking to you and i'm i'm also super excited because i had this little inkling that uh this is just the beginning this is just, oh this, this is this journey. Like, let me just tell you, I I got at least two trips to Scotland next year, hands down, and I'm gonna come out a lot more because I've been I I potentially have the ability to tie my real job into working over there as well, and if I can do that, game over, man. We're gonna be playing some, doing some fun stuff. I want to thank everyone for listening. 
I got to tell you, you got to go to Glen Eagles in Scotland. You got to go visit. The whiskey's insane. River and his whole team are amazing. Just go. Just go. Just book the ticket. Do it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I love seeing all the traffic lately. Lots of good reviews. Keep rating the shows. And I appreciate everyone. Riv, I appreciate you, my friend. I will see you soon. I appreciate you too, brother. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much.